This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The Glossing Detangler and Perfect Conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real-life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. You guys, I couldn't be more excited for today's conversation and today's guest. We have Beth Galata on the podcast. Beth, welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I always love the opportunity to be in the other seat. So thank you so much for having me. I feel the same way. I'm glad you said that. I actually enjoy being interviewed more than I enjoy interviewing. And maybe there's some psychological thing about that, how we love talking about ourselves, but I feel the same way. So I'm glad that you get this time to be on the other side. Thank you for giving me this time. I honestly don't love talking about myself as a therapist. I'm used to listening to other people, but I think for me, podcasting is so new and there's this pressure to do justice to everybody's stories. So I think I, I put that pressure on myself, but I, I, but I do, I do like being in this seat. The pressure feels a little off. Well, I want to talk about that. That's actually something I was excited to have a conversation about. First and foremost, you are a licensed mental health counselor. You are the owner and founder of NYC Therapeutic, blah, I can't speak, NYC <laughs> Therapeutic Wellness, and you are the host of the podcast Quiet the Clock, which I think every single person listening to this 
would benefit from listening to. There's so much, you're doing such important and incredible work. But I do want to talk about as a therapist, you are opening up in a public way and sharing parts of yourself and your story. And I feel like historically that was either taboo or somewhat frowned upon, but it's becoming more of a common thing now. And I'm curious what that transition was like for you or what led you to start doing it and how that experience has been. Ooh, I love that question so much. And thank you. I think you're doing incredible work as well. Everybody should be listening to your podcast too. It's so amazing. I love that question. And and what I will say is a few things. Um, I think therapy is moving in the right direction in which therapists aren't a blank, blank slate anymore. And I think when I was in grad school and newly practicing, that was kind of the understanding of our role was like, we don't use self-disclosure too much, or we use it very sparingly. Um, and so I kind of started in that space of like, I'm not going to share m- as much about myself, you know, using self-disclosure is like a skill. Um, but as things have progressed, like, especially with social media and a lot of therapists on social media and sharing on social media, like we're humans too, we're people too. And our stories can be very helpful and prior to starting this podcast, I did a podcast with my sister years ago, and I wasn't comfortable sharing. I was still in the space of like, if my clients are listening, what are they going to think? And I was really, I really grappled with that and I was really uncomfortable. But I think with the progression of, of therapy and sort of therapists being more people and not such a blank slate and the importance of this topic, I had to share. And that was, that was a major consideration was that, you know, the, the podcast was born out of my own experience and then hearing everybody else's experience. And I just felt like there was so much more value and relatability if I were to be vulnerable and open up and share my story. So that kind of trumped everything. And the response I've gotten is really, really great. The connections I've made, like connections with you and other people that have been on here are, are incredible. So um, yeah, I, I think it's important. It was really important for me to share the story as, as a therapist and you know, helping other women navigate 30s and egg freezing and all the things that we talk about on the podcast. Absolutely. I think it's beautiful and and inspiring that you decided to take that leap and test it out. And especially with such important topics like this, like I feel like there's so much societal pressure as a woman to be hitting certain milestones at certain ages and to be quote unquote, like moving forward with the path that you didn't even choose for yourself, or maybe it's not what you want, or maybe you don't know how you feel about it. And so I think I'm sure that's what a lot of your clients are coming to you to talk about. So being able to sit there and hear from you, like, hey, I was in your position and here's what I did and here's how I'm doing now. I think it's so helpful and probably makes them feel so much less alone. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in the clients that I've worked with, uh, you know, and, and now at the point where I'm in my career, I've worked with for five or six years. So it's a really, really strong therapeutic relationship. So I feel even more comfortable to self-disclose there, even if no one's listening to the podcast or know that the podcast is out there. Um, there are these moments in session where it feels relevant and helpful to share, hey, I've been there, or hey, I didn't meet my partner to 34, or hey, I froze my eggs at 37, or hey, I got pregnant at 39. I think it's they do find it so reassuring and not alone. And it's like, not only do I get you as a therapist, but I get you as a person because I have been there. And really a lot of the intention of the podcast is just to sort of pay it forward in that I felt so alone. 
I felt so stuck in these narratives of like, I'm behind, I'm not going to meet anybody. And I think there's really a great opportunity to not live in those, those narratives and really get to enjoy your thirties, even if, you know, you don't meet the milestones when people are telling you, you should meet the milestones. Yeah. And I feel like everyone I've talked to, I've had so many conversations with people who were like, yeah, when I was in my twenties, when I was in my early thirties or at, at this age, I really so badly wanted to meet my person, but I'm so glad that it didn't happen until my late thirties, until my early forties, my late forties, because <laughs> I ended up becoming the best version of myself, or I ended up figuring out exactly who I wanted to be during those years. And had I met somebody at that time, maybe it wouldn't have worked or maybe I would have outgrown them very quickly. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point when we originally connected that, you know, even though our audience is maybe more geared toward thirties, forties, like the narratives start building in your twenties. Right. So it, it applies to anyone like this idea of, you know, when these things are, should happen or, you're in a space of comparison and you're looking at what other people are doing or what milestones they're meeting. So I think it's, it can apply to any decade. I think that thirties like amps up the pressure and expectation more. So I think there's more permission in your twenties, but if you hold that narrative internally, it doesn't matter if you're 20, 30 or 40, it's whenever you're telling yourself you should have had these things or met the person or had the babies. So I I think it, it all applies, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I like what you said earlier too, like, I think what happens is that we don't stop to understand if we actually really want these things when we're told we're supposed to want these things. And because these are, you know, societal expectations that are longstanding and well ingrained, we're never really taught to be like, hey, wait, wait, do I want that? Because I want that. Or is someone telling me to want that? And I have a lot of clients, you know, unsure about motherhood and then blaming themselves or thinking something's wrong with them because they don't know. And I'm like, you don't need to know. Who told you you need to know? So you don't I, need to know and, and you don't need to do something just because it's what you thought you would do or what is quote unquote expected. Like it is actually a choice and you're allowed to make that choice. I know. I think when we get too caught in the expectations or sort of longstanding, you know, ideas that womanhood is synonymous with motherhood, like if you don't want a child, something's wrong with you. Those two are so intertwined. But I think you know, with, with progression and certain work that people are doing to change narratives, that's, that's shifting. Um, to your point earlier, like, I think it's important that everyone determine their own timelines. I think about this all the time. Like if I married the person I was with in my twenties, oh my God, what a disaster. Or if I even married the person that I, you know, I had a relationship end around 30, 31, if I was with that person, train wreck, right? So I think it's sort of looking at the value of your own timing and understanding that it will all, whatever is meant for you will come. And that's really hard when you're in this space of like scarcity or doubt or, you know, really having a hard time managing the uncertainty. And I look back now and meeting Rob at 34 was right on time. Having my son at 40 was right on time. And there's so much I learned in so many ways that I grew that allowed me to make space for someone like Rob. Like he's not someone I would have ever dated before. And, you know, I kind of like did my own work and reflection to like see that person. So I think that's an important reminder is that, you know, there's value and there's reason and there's meaning to why you're not hitting those milestones yet. And, you know, I think you've shared very openly about your relationship journey and, and, you had some bumps along the road, but it sort of shaped you into this 
person who you are now. And that also invited space in for your fiance. Yeah. And and I wish I could more than anything, I wish I could go back in time and shake myself or like write a letter now to my past self and be like, it's all going to work out. Like it is going to be okay. And you don't have to sit there every single day thinking, what's wrong with me? Why does nobody want to love me or accept me or even get past date three with me? You know, like, why won't anybody commit to me? You don't have to question these things because right now, like you have so much to offer, not just men, but the world and your friends and your job and yourself and your passions. And there's so much more to you than your relationship status. And I just, I feel like I, it's almost like a thinking about Spotify wrapped. It's like if if it could actually have given me a tally of how many times I thought these things or said these things to myself or stared at my phone waiting for a guy to text me back. And it's like, I had so much else going for me and I could have been enjoying. And it's so sad to think about. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating, and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across and I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Brave the uncomfortable. Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. 
They started Presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a Presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone, Presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from. And if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. Yeah, I feel that same sentiment and I experience that same thing. And that's part of, you know, why I'm passionate about these type of conversations and this type of work is to remind women that, you know, you can enjoy the journey too. I, I had an incredible, you know, 30s, but prior to meeting Rob, there was a lot of sadness and being alone. And I know this time of year with the holidays, it can be really hard. I struggle too being single. And, you know, while I had a lot of happy moments, there were also a lot of low moments. And same as you, if I could go back to that version of myself, just say, live it up, like enjoy it, enjoy being single, enjoy like coming and going as you please. Like this, this season will end and you will miss it. But it can be so hard when you're in the moment to be mindful to change the narrative and, and be talking to yourself in a different way. So I think that's an, that's something I certainly want to pay forward is like enjoy the journey. And the, the other thing is, you know, just because you meet the person and have the baby doesn't mean everything is magically better and great and amazing. So it's Say like- it louder. <laughs> Shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> then you just have your an, another set of challenges right it doesn't it doesn't solve anything so we live in this space of waiting for these things thinking it's going to solve our or fill the gaps or fill the voids and it's not it's not necessarily true yeah if you you meet the right person they add so much value to your life as long as it's you know a securely attached healthy relationship but then there's things like compromise and sacrifice and you know, a certain loss of independence that you have before, you know, and in a very respectful way, I would never just get on a plane and be like, peace out, Rob. You know, it's like, you got to plan for those things and you got to, you know, be considerate of the other person. So it it doesn't automate, it's not like this magic wand that like, once you have these things, everything is amazing and great. I wholeheartedly believe that getting a boyfriend would solve all of my problems and make me happy. You did. I did. And I can confirm that is incredibly false. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's hard. You, like you put all your eggs in that that basket. And especially like if you're zoned in on that being the thing. And when you get in, it doesn't happen. That's a huge disappointment. And one thing you said earlier about like asking ourselves the question of like, why doesn't it go through why don't I get a third date or whatever? I think that if we're asking those questions in the right way to gain more understanding of our own patterns or how we show up dating that is healthy. If we're asking ourselves those questions in a way of like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why does someone not like me? Then that's not helpful. And that's very harmful to our sense of self and self-worth. But if you're kind of being reflective about, okay, like how am I showing up here? Am I being vulnerable? Am I choosing the wrong people? Like, I think there's value in asking those questions in a way that is productive and helpful. 
Absolutely. I want to get into more of your story and how to kind of combat that feeling of comparison. But before we do that, I have a wonderful group of male listeners, and I would love to take this time to kind of have you explain to them, or or what do you think men might not understand, but should understand or should try to understand or should want to understand about what women go through and why we feel these things. I'm I'm only laughing because Shelly and I just had this conversation offline. And I think that there is so much that men don't understand that women go through. And I think there's, you know, and to be completely fair, I think there's misunderstanding on both ends. I think that, you know, women don't understand men and men don't understand women. And I think that is just a horrible equation for everyone out there in the dating world. Um, I think that vulnerability is lacking on both ends. I think that, you know, we as women can be more open and men certainly, you know, I think men have a lot to learn and I hate to generalize, but in terms of like communication, expression, vulnerability, um, what should men understand? That's a very good question. Um, because they don't, I'm sure men feel so many different types of pressures. I know that they do, but they don't feel this clock ticking pressure to settle down and meet your person and start a family the way that we do. Yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, that's interesting. We When we recorded last week, we recorded with a male who's a coach, like a dating coach for men. And I asked him the same question, like, do men understand our our clock like do men understand especially as we're starting to get into later 30s like that there is really a biological clock and he said that they do understand i'm not so sure i'd be curious to hear from your male listeners how much they know i think what they also might not know is the emotional weight that is for us women and i can speak for myself in my own experience that when i was feeling that weight it colored everything in my relationship like i just you know, things, things I would never get upset about, like I would get upset about because it all sort of just boiled down to this root, like insecurity and uncertainty about whether or not I would have children. So I would get more curious about what's really going on with women because I, for men, like it's probably bigger than, you know, you didn't put the Tupperware back right. Or like it's, it's, I think for women, it always comes down to something bigger than the little things that it manifests into. Um, so I would say maybe ask, like, get curious of like, okay, you got upset about this thing, but is there something more to that? Um, and certainly I think what's hard too, is that there's a lot as women that we don't understand about our, our, like the egg freezing process and our biological clock. And so, you know, I don't expect men to know that, but we, we should be learning and then sharing that with the, the men in our life or the people that, you know, you're out there dating. Yeah. I also think one interesting almost push I would give for men, if you're single and dating women in their late 20s, their 30s, their 40s, ask them, be open, have open, honest, vulnerable conversations about timeline. Like we all are thinking about it. So why sit there having to make assumptions and guess what the other person is thinking or planning? Why not just talk about it? And then you can very quickly learn if you're even on the same page or not. Yeah. Again, there's just this, I think on both ends, there's this lack of vulnerability. I think for a lot of women, at least the women I've worked with, there's still this desire to be 
reassured by the man first to be reassured that they have interest first before they're they're going to express interest so before they're going to be vulnerable before they're going to say that they like them before they're going to say let's go on another date so there is still i think this expectation or desire for men to validate or reassure first um and that can be hard because it puts responsibility completely on the man and uh, you know, maybe they're, they, I always try to remind my clients, there's another human on the other side of the table there with their own insecurities, doubts, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think having a conversation is so important and being really clear and transparent about what you want soon on, especially if you're in a place where your, your clock is ticking and you do want those things. I had a, I had a client that I was working with who was on the fence about motherhood. She's she's still not really sure. And she ended up going out with a, a guy that was like a hard no on kids. And so we explored that. I said, well, listen, if you still want that as an option, do you think it's best to date someone that's very clear on that not being it, an option for them? And so we talked through that and you know, kind of decided that she should date people that are maybe more in the same place of her. And so that's something like this guy was very upfront on. And and we processed it. And even though she's unsure, she's like, I do want to date someone or like get to know somebody that potentially might want. So I think on both ends, like it's very important for people to be clear on what they want and what they're looking for. Yeah. And to your point, it's important to take the time to figure out what you want and what you're looking for. Otherwise we're just like closing our eyes and walking through and like pointing and being like, okay, like this one. Yeah, I do a lot of work like that with my clients to get really clear on what they're looking for. You know, we do a lot of like value inventory to see what they value and what they want in somebody else. We do, we take a relationship inventory. So we'll look back at all previous relationships to start to identify, you know, attachment styles or patterns or, you know, what went well, what didn't go well. Did you like this kind of dynamic? Okay, let's look for that. And really getting a clear vision and not in the way of like, he's got to have this and that and that. It's like, what, you know, does this person want a family? Does this, is this person close to their family? I'm close to my family. I want someone that's close to their family. So yeah, that you're not out there dating blindly, that you have some sort of like roadmap. Absolutely. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed 
bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you're in the thick of modern dating or you're wondering if the person you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Dateable, your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Krafchick and Yue Shu. They talk about it all, from why you're choosing the wrong partner and how to stop, to how to actually go from matching on the app to getting on a date, to securing your anxious attachment and everything in between. Julie and Yue have been on Seeing Other People, and I've been a guest on their podcast too, so if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my episode of Dateable, season 15, episode 10, Is It Chemistry or Anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk about Rob. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you would love this. <laughs> when, when, did, when did Beth and Rob meet? Beth and Rob met when I was, I met him at 34 years old. So at that time, I'd probably been single for three to four years. Um, and it's really interesting the timing that we met because I finally got to this place of like feeling really good about where I was at. And it was a constant fluctuation of like, I love my life. It is great. And it was, you know, my early 30s were great. But there was the moments, like I was saying earlier, where I was like, I'm alone. I'm never going to meet anybody. And right before meeting Rob, I was like, damn, life's pretty good. Like I, you know, own this little one bed bedroom condo that's mine. I have a great group of friends. Like I can take myself to dinner if I want. I, I felt really genuinely authentically good where I was. And I think while prior to that, I could say all those things, I didn't feel it as deeply as I did before I met Rob. And then I'm not even kidding you, like three weeks later, I met him. I'm like, damn it. I was like, couldn't I just live in that space for like a little bit longer? But I think the timing was meant to be because I think before that I had my own patterns of dating and people that I chose. And, you know, I think had I met him even a month or two earlier, like I just, I just wouldn't see him, you know, I just wouldn't see him in a way that was like a viable option. And I think that happens for a lot of people. I think, you know, probably so many good men cross women's path, but maybe they haven't done the work or not understood their patterns or really like reflected on what they're actually looking for. And, and like, all these people miss us. So I feel very lucky that I had kind of that moment before meeting Rob, because I think it allowed me to see him clearly. I'm curious what you would say or what advice you would give. I have a friend who she is in her early thirties. She has gone through some pretty tough and tumultuous relationship experiences in the past. 
she's done a lot of work. She's in therapy. She really has like gotten herself back to a great place. And she either continues to A, meet men who completely screw her over or like they'll tell her they like her and it's going great and they're showing up. And then on the 10th date, they're like, nah, I'm not looking for anything serious. Or she'll meet, she has started to meet these really wonderful guys. And for some reason, she can't get herself there. And she find it's I don't know if that she's like finding things that she's not attracted to and it's okay I say to her like it's okay like just because they're a good person doesn't mean that they're your person or that you have to be attracted to them but she is very hard on herself for feeling like well here's this wonderful great guy who has so many things I want like what's wrong with me that I can't want Mm. to be with him I wonder and you said she's in therapy but I would be curious about how much attachment work she's done because it sounds like when there is a option or a person that is available she sort of is sort of her avoidant attachment is activated and Mm -hmm. so maybe there's still some fear for her around commitment um and that's just off the very little that you're telling me but right right at the top of mind sort of attachment comes to me right and so what it's it's so funny I had I had a very similar client and I don't know if you've seen this like meme on Instagram is forever ago, but it's like a wave and the girl's running away from the wave. And it's like when an actual available good person, <laughs> you say you want a relationship and then someone yeah. presents themselves and you're like running away. And so we would kind of joke that like she runs away from the, the wave. So I would encourage her to just sort of explore attachment style a little bit more because certain people, a lot of people can be both anxious and avoidant. And when we find somebody that is maybe securely attached or emotionally available or available, it activates our avoidant. And so we're like, not interested, like too nice, like he's great, but I'm not like we we can rationalize anything. Yeah. It's also probably the fear of like, well, if, and I remember feeling this way too, like if I start to have feelings for this person all I know is this ends with me getting my heart broken of course yeah I mean we're constantly and this is an importance I think of of therapy and reflection and and just working on yourself in any way that feels comfortable for you but you know we're always trying to protect ourselves right we're always trying to you know implement some sort of like coping mechanism protective mechanism so we don't get hurt and I think that's why there's this lack of vulnerability and like Yes, it hurts to get hurt, but it also hurts to be so closed off and it's so isolating. So sure, like if her experience has always been like this ends and I get hurt, you're you're she's yeah, she's probably trying to protect herself. Yeah. You mentioned your last relationship before Rob ended like 3 or 4 years before. So you were like 30, 31 when you became single? Mhm. Why and how did that relationship end? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! No one's asked me that. Okay, we don't have to, we don't have to go there. No, we can go there. Absolutely, hundred okay. um, percent. Which is really interesting because I just recently connected. I think my fertility journey, even before like Rob and I getting on the same page and getting pregnant or egg freezing at thirty-seven, to this relationship, sort of indirectly, but I never thought about that in this way. So my relationship before Rob was um, this guy Frank. And Frank and I were like best, best friends since I was 13 or 14 years old, like very close, close friends. And then Frank got really sick. Frank was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
Um, and he was not supposed to survive that. And I spent a year in the hospital with him, like sleeping there, going back and forth. And a relationship did not start then, but it started after he got well and he's alive and well, which is incredible and amazing. And so, um, we were together for five years and I remember asking him, you know, can you go get your fertility checked? I don't I really don't know how I knew to ask that. I, I knew that like, I wanted to have the option to have children. And at that time I thought it would be with him and he would never go do it. And I, I would always bring it up and he would never go. And I, what I realize now is he was so sick. Like the, the doctors just like jumped right into action, you know, and they didn't tell him freeze your sperm. So I think I knew that. I knew that the doctors hadn't told him to freeze his sperm. And so I, I think that did impact his fertility and he didn't want to share that with me. And so that was always kind of like a point of contention in our relationship. Why it ended, um, a couple things. Well, it wasn't necessarily this, but you know, I do want to talk about this because I think a lot of women go through this and it's very common because Rob was, uh, Rob, because Frank was so sick, he was on a lot of painkillers for like the, you know, to help with chemo, whatever. There was no detox regimen for getting him off those painkillers after being sick. So they were kind of like, cool, you're you're like cancer-free, but now like you're addicted to painkillers. And I didn't know that. That was like hidden from me for most of my relationship. And the only reason I found that out is I did have some friends start to go through that with their partners, like addiction popping up. And I was I was in grad school for what I do now, and we were learning about pharmaceuticals. And I learned in that class what methadone was, and I didn't know what that was prior to that. And I saw I found the bottle in his car, and I was like, started asking questions. I was like, "What is this for?" And then I got right on the phone with a girlfriend who was going through the same thing. So that became one thing, and I was ready and willing to stand by him through that, and just want to help him through that. And then the other thing is like what I was saying earlier, like the values, just some of the values didn't align. Um, And those, like those parts started to really erode our relationship. And I just didn't see where we got aligned on those things. And, you know, I loved him very much and it was really painful to walk away from that relationship, but um, it, it informed, it informed my list of things I wanted when I left that relationship. And I will say like everything I said I wanted in the next person Rob has. So I wouldn't change that experience for for anything. And it really allowed me to get more clear on what someone had to offer, whoever was next, what they had to offer. Do you remember feeling any fear surrounding, you know, leaving this five-year relationship at that age? Or did you feel like, no, I'm confident, like this isn't it? I'll find my person. I, I gotta, I gotta cut the cord in order to move forward. No, I didn't feel that. That's why I'm like, it was 30, 31 because it just, you know, I don't, and kudos to anyone that like can do the clean break and, and move on. But that was not um, what I was able to do. So there was a lot of back and forth and, you know, our Frank and I were part of this huge group of couples that did everything together. So not only was I losing Frank, I was losing a big, you know, part of my social circle and everybody in that circle minus one couple, actually two are not together anymore, but everybody was like getting married and having the kids and buying the house. So there was a lot of grief and sadness there. And, but I kind of proud of myself because, you know, it it eventually did fully end and I get, did move forward. And I, I was really clear on that. He wasn't going to be able to offer me what I wanted and a life with him would look a certain way. 
but it was not a clean break. It was very, very sad. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of grief and not just losing him, but friends losing the vision of what my future would be. Um, I'm not sure at the time was I thinking like, fuck, I'm 31 and now I'm single again. I think I was just like, just sad. Like I was just sad and watching all these things happen for other people and then not being able to relate with some of my best friends because like I'm single, you're married with kids, like you own a home. Like I just, like there, there was a lot of loss there. How did you navigate that comparison or seeing friends, other people in your life taking those next stages, getting engaged, getting married, and you had, you know, been in that relationship and and now you're single and you're not meeting somebody, you're not having kids in the near future. What was it like to go through that? And how did you, you know, stay sane? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a roller coaster for sure. But I will say this and Shelly's going to laugh when I say this. Bartending at the Ainsworth where I used to bartend saved, saved, saved my life. Like, because I just met some of the greatest people, the greatest friends. We did a lot of fun things. You know, if anyone works that is listening, works in that industry or has worked in that industry, you know, the camaraderie there, like you're in the weeds with each other. You're up to like four or five in the morning. Like I developed some really great friendships and like, I got to live a life that a lot of other people weren't living. I got to travel. And I think I I just started to be in a place of gratitude of like all the things that I was getting to do instead of all of the things I wasn't doing. Um, So yeah, that was just a really, it ended up being a really fun time for me. And I got to be with like very cool, fun, creative, smart people. And we traveled all places. We had a lot of fun. There were some tears behind the bar because (laughs) it was very busy, but (laughs) Yeah, I credit I credit those connections to a lot of it. And I credit, you know, my gratitude and, and sort of creating this perspective of like all the things I get to do. And that's what I love. Like I see so much content out there now on social media of people like putting their age and like everywhere they're getting to travel. And I think there's so much value, right? This like, You can kind of make it look any way that you want and being grateful for the things that you have, grateful for the things that you get to do um, and just leaning into that. Yeah. I think one huge factor that you mentioned is that you found these other people. And I think that is so, so important. If you feel like all of your friends are, you know, moving ahead of you and you're in different life stages and you can't relate to them, that doesn't mean that you're, you don't have to, that doesn't mean you have to stop being friends, but you also can take it upon yourself to go meet other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and who are on the same path as you, who you can relate to and commiserate with and experience life with. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I, I feel so grateful to the bar because it was just instantaneous. Like, and I, I say that because I know that it can be very hard to meet new people. Like I have, especially a lot of female clients that have this desire for more connection and more friends because you know, they might be in that age group where everybody's like moved out of the city or they're not as available because they're in a relationship or, you know, they're having kids. So it can be really hard to find new people that are kind of in the same life stage on the same path, but it's so, so, so valuable. And, you know, again, I feel really lucky because, you know, I showed up to work and it was already kind of there for me. Um, so I don't, I, I, I don't want to devalue how hard it can be to meet new people, but there's so much benefit to it. What made you bartend at the Ainsworth? 
I think I always wanted to bartend. And actually, I tried to bartend in college, but they didn't like hire me to do it. I had no idea how to bartend. I was bartending somewhere else. And I don't know, this might date me a little bit, but Public House was the place that I bartended. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it still exists. And then a, a family friend of mine was opening the Ainsworth. And I was like, well, I want to bartend. And so he hired me. And I think I was there for five or six years. It's wow. insane money. It's great money. So I was like going through to grad school and it was really fun. I, I, don't, I don't know. I was just, I was really, really drawn to it. And I, I loved it. I loved it. It sounds fun. I'm like, wait, should I uh, pick up a new sidekick? Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, listen, once you get in, it's very hard to get out because the money is, this is, is very, very good. But the experience for me was even better. I just, I, you know, it's just Shelly and I want to do a post of like where we started versus where we are because Shelly and I were like, in the trenches together behind the bar. And now we work together on this podcast. So it's all oh, like- I love that. I love that well. so much. Uh, yeah. I have like an 11 o'clock bedtime. So I don't know if I'd actually be able to do Girl, it. Girl, but... I'm 8.30 now. Put my kids to bed, <laughs> eat dinner and I'm asleep. Nice. What time do you wake up? It's, uh, anywhere between five or six. And if my son sleeps to seven, amazing. But yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I have- different. I have started to think about like, oh my God, I'm going to have to start waking up at like six one day when we have kids and that'll be the rest of my life. It's scary. Well, maybe like eight years. I don't know when they start sleeping in late, but yeah, 6, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. call yeah. time. <laughs> um, what do you wish you could tell your younger self? Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Like we were saying earlier, like enjoy it. Enjoy it. And I think a lot of the work I do with my clients kind of in the space is just to shift into like life is happening now, live it, enjoy it. Everything is going to work out and everything's going to make sense at some point. And, you know, I look back now and it, and it really does. It really, really does. And I wish I could have told my younger self, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be better than you even imagined. I mean, this relationship I have now is just, you know, Rob is incredible. Everybody has their challenges, but like I have a true, true solid partner and I couldn't do life without him. And, you know, this is better than I even imagined. So I would just say to her, like, take the flight, go party, be with your girls, enjoy it, take it all in. And And, and the other thing too is like, we were saying earlier, like just enjoy where you are now because it'll change and you'll miss parts of that. Like there are part, there are times that I'm like, damn, I wish I was like, you know, in my little one bedroom apartment, getting ready to go out with my girls and like be able to stay out all night. Like you'll miss those parts and those parts will end. So just try to enjoy it now. I forget who I was talking to, but I was actually sitting down with a friend of mine days ago. I don't know how I forget who it was. <laughs> so it's like a really like meaningful conversation. We were talking about how like we're in the good old days now. Who was I talking? Yes, you to? are. Yes, you are. <laughs> Literally, who was I talking to? Um, and it, it's so true. And, and I feel like I, I've noticed this for myself recently where I feel like I spend so much time stressing and complaining. And at the end of the day, if I zoom out, like Life is great. Yeah. I have so much to be grateful for and so much to celebrate every day. And yeah, I will have ups and downs. I'll have bad mornings, bad days, bad quarters, whatever. But there's so much for me to be grateful for. There's so much if five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Alana saw what 
my life is like oh, now. Yeah. She would be like, no fucking way. Like, holy <laughs> shit. And but, but on a day-to-day basis, I stress so much. I complain yeah. so much. I'm upset about so many different things. And so I'm really trying to challenge myself to not sweat the small stuff and not look at everything with like doom lens. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think it's like the intentionality of zooming out because I think, you know, especially where we live too, life is so hectic that sometimes we can't zoom out. The thing that I would say and the thing that I say to my a lot of my clients is like I think where a lot of the emotional weight comes is like the secondary emotion and the primary emotion being like what we're feeling, like we're frustrated by X. And then the secondary emotion might be anything we add to that like well, now, like, I shouldn't be upset about that. I shouldn't be sweating this small. If you work with me, everyone knows I hate the word should, right? So it's like all the weight and judgment we're adding to what we feel. So like, if there's a day that you're overly stressed, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is not get pissed at yourself for being stressed, like feel it, process it and try to move through it more quickly. And, and you know, there's space for all emotions. But I think, you know, again, not beating ourselves up about what we're feeling. And I think that goes to say, for anyone that might find themselves in the space of, you know, still being single and outdated, if there are days that you feel really shitty about it, like for it's sure, okay. like it's, it's, yeah, it's okay. But the worst thing you can do for yourself is add those narratives that just make it even harder. Like something is wrong with me. I'm never going to meet anybody. So I would just say, feel what you feel, validate what you feel, but don't like shit on yourself for feeling that way. That's 100%. very therapeutic advice, by the way. <laughs> don't shit on yourself. <laughs> no, it, it's so, so true well, though. It it really is like we we're so mean to ourselves. I know. We're so cruel to ourselves. And and like my biggest wish in the world is that we could see each other the way we see each other. Yeah, or that I we could we could see ourselves that. the way our friends see us. And yeah, I say that to my clients all the time. I was like yeah. I, I have incredible, amazing clients and it's a little bittersweet because I just made a decision to step, take a pretty big step back clinically. So I was just wrapping up with a lot of my clients last month, but you know, they are all so amazing, incredible. And I say that same thing. I was like, I want you to see yourself the way that I see you yeah. and the way that other people see you. And just in a lot of sessions, I'm like, please just be nice to yourself. Please just be kind to yourself. It's so hard. But so important. It can be hard, yeah. And it's not to say that's easy, but it's to to bring awareness to how are we treating ourselves, how are we talking to ourselves, especially as women in this space where dating is hard. You know, for some people, egg freezing is hard, fertility is hard, and so the best thing you can do is kind of just be your best friend through all of those things. It's hard enough as it is. Period. Like, let's try not to make it even harder for ourselves. I love that phrase, be your best friend. I'm just thinking about like, yeah, like when you make plans with your friend, you're like, oh, like, what are you in the mood to do? Like, why don't you ask yourself like tonight, like, hey, what am I in the mood to do? Am I in the mood to like sit on the couch and sulk or like put on my old favorite movie or order in food or go take myself out? Like, what am I in the mood to do? Ask yourself that. Yeah, be your best friend. And and like trying, again, trying to see yourself clearly the way that your friends do. And if sometimes you can't find a best friend that will actually do that for you. Sometimes we need people, and I've had that in my life too, where I've had those moments where I'm feeling down or I haven't accomplished enough or whatever I'm saying to myself. And I've literally had a friend like list out all the th- things. And I was like, yep. oh, right. Like I did all those things. So try to do it for yourself or get around yeah. people that can do it for you. I did that for a friend the other day. Uh, one of my close friends texted me saying she felt like such a failure. And I instantly wrote up like, 
a 12 paragraph essay. And it was the easiest thing for me to do about like why she's not a failure and why it makes me so sad that she feels that way because here are 27 incredible things that she's accomplished and things that she should be so proud of herself for. And she was just like, oh my God, I'm crying. Like, thank yeah. you. And, and she's like, you're, it, she was probably like, it, you're right. It wasn't hard for me to do. It was the easiest thing in the world for me to do because that's how I see her. I know. Yeah. I know. It's so hard for us to do it for ourselves, but yeah. that's a really, you know, for anyone that's not in therapy, I mean, a big advocate for therapy, but those are the little things you can try to start to do for yourself. It's just, you know, it, it's funny too. Like one of the prompts I'll give my clients is like, tell me something you feel proud of. And they'll be like, what? I'm like, okay, well, let's look at why that's hard. And that is sometimes hard. So, you know, if you're listening, think of five things that you're proud of. Yeah. Do it. Right now. Do it. Do it. Right now. Right, right when you finish. Right now. Time. Okay. Before I let you go, two okay. final questions. Okay. One, what is the best piece of dating or relationship advice you have ever received? Oh, me personally? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the first, I'm just going to shoot from what comes right top of mind. I, I don't know if this qualifies advice, but it's you'll meet someone when you least expect it. And I hated hearing that. And then when I met Rob, I was like, shoot, everybody was right. And I think what people meant like that was like, take the pressure off, zoom out, live your life, just make space for it and it'll come. And it did. So I would say that top of my head. I'm so glad you said that because before I was like, should I ask if she believes in that or thinks it's, and, and I had a feeling that, that, that you would align with it because of exactly your story of like weeks before and how, like how your mindset shifted. But oh I my God. And honestly, I was annoyed because I was not annoyed, but I was like, oh my God, everyone's been saying to me this to me and they're right. They're so right. So <laughs> that would be my yeah. answer. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Before I let you go now, last question, where can everybody find you? Oh, yay. Okay. So, um, you mentioned all of this at the top of the podcast. So thank you so much. Um, I am the owner of the group practice NYC Therapeutic Wellness. And while I am not taking new clients, I have an incredible team of therapists that are so, so amazing. So if anyone's listening, um, you can find us on Instagram, nytherapeutic.com, oh, nyctherapeuticwellness.com. I should know my own website. And then you can find me at quietetheclock.com, quietetheclockpod on Instagram, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. I am there. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for being here. This has been so great. We now that we've like had three like back to back long conversations now, and like we need to keep having them. I'm so Oh my that. God. I'd love to yeah. anytime, anytime. Next one we have to do in person. We will plan yes. for in I what did they say? IRL in real life. I, <laughs> crushing it. IRL. Love Trying it. So young and, and hip here. Um, so no, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all that you're doing. Your podcast is incredible. I've been telling everybody about it. So thank I look you. forward Likewise. to more conversations with you. Me too. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people.